in verse uh, <clears throat> chapter 14, verse 16, and because we taught on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to teach the whole class to you because you have to come to Bible college to get that, but I will give you this little part, and it says, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, this is all talking about the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. Now, you're not the world, are you? Okay. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. This is prophetic, of course. Now he is in us. This was the disciples he was speaking to, and Jesus hadn't gone to the cross, so he wasn't in them. But he said he will be. And so you need to change your confession, as like, and you need to start saying, I know him. And we, the class that we taught, we've all got where we're saying it. I hope they are. If they don't, I'm going to retract their grades and flunk them. But um, <laughs> hallelujah. But anyway, um, you need to start saying, I know him. I know him. I know him. And you need to say that to yourself many times a day. I know him. I know God. I know the Holy Ghost. I know his presence. I know when he comes in the room. And I'm telling you, you'll start saying that and your life will change. I know me and Pastor have been saying that for about, well, we've been saying it strong for about six or eight months now. And I'm telling you, our life is changing on how quick we know and recognize and know God. Hallelujah. And uh, just a while ago, we were back in the prayer room and I kept thinking it was dusty in there. And I'm thinking, why is it so dusty in this room? Not on the furniture. I'm talking about like there was, and then it hit me. This is not dust. This is fog. This is Holy Ghost. In the prayer room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And see, if you'll start saying, I know him, then when something, start, when something comes in, you'll know. When you're presented with two choices, you'll know which is God. You'll re and somebody says, gets up and says, this, so and so and so and so, you'll say, that's God. I know him. I recognize him. You won't be like, I wonder if that was God. You know, you, know, you, won't, you won't be like, Brother Hagin used to say about some Christians, they wouldn't recognize God if he walked down the street with a red hat on. And you won't be one of those Christians because you know him. Amen. And so you begin to confess that. And then over uh, in 1 John, hallelujah. Now this is all extra. This is not even the message. But it goes along with some of the things we'll talk about. And it's important. <clears throat> hallelujah. Now I just, you know, in the prayer room, sometimes you get over there. And uh, we've been dealing with a situation. Well, okay. Uh yeah, verse, chapter 2 of 1 John, verse 20. And we got over there in some things in prayer, and, and Pastor and I are dealing with a situation, and this man keeps saying, I don't know. We're talking to him about the will of God, and he keeps saying, well, I just hadn't heard anything. I don't know. Boy, it rose up in me in the prayer room, and they wondered why I was throwing. I threw that chair. I, I picked up that chair and threw it down. I said, you do know in Jesus' name. You're a, this, by this verse says you know. Now, I'm speaking to him in the Spirit. He's not even in this room. Amen. He's not even in this church. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. When we don't know, that's because we're looking to our mind and our flesh. We're not to live out of our mind. We're not to live out of our flesh. Don't you say you don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to do. I don't know what the will of God is. Well, you old unbelieving thing, you. Really? We know Him. I know Him. I have an unction from the Holy One, and I know all things. Amen. Amen. And boy, I, something came on me. I started telling that man in the spirit, you do know in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, next time I see him, I'm expecting him to be different. Because I'm telling him, we worked him over. Hallelujah. Well, this morning, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and gave me, a, just started sharing some of this stuff. To me. Just, this just rose up in my heart when I say he spoke to me. Your prosperity will follow your sowing. Your prosperity will follow your sowing. Your health will follow your knowing. Your relationships will follow your loving. Your peace will follow your trusting. Your influence will follow your excellence. Your promotion will follow your proving. And your, your success will follow your consistency. I'm going to read those to you again. You might want to get those because these are important. Your prosperity will follow your sowing. 
Your health will follow your knowing. Your relationships will follow your loving. You think about it. Your peace will follow your trusting. You'll never have peace except as far as you trust God. Your influence will follow your excellence. If you think about it, if there's no excellence, there's no ability to influence other people. <clears throat> your promotion will follow your proving, and your success will follow your consistency. Well, uh, what the Holy Ghost was talking to me about in the last couple of weeks, and I always like to share those things He's talking to me about, because I believe that's what He's saying in the body, is about how we about us desiring to move higher. And I believe everybody in here has a desire to move higher. If not in one area, maybe many areas, but at least in one area. Amen? And so I was just thinking about how we can move higher in some areas. And I'm not going to give you a comprehensive... I mean, we could teach for weeks on each one of these, you know. Uh, and I probably could make lists and lists and lists of more ways to move higher. But I believe some things that will get us real started real strong, hallelujah, on moving to a higher place. And I don't know if you listen to anything. Uh, there's lots of uh, people out there speaking prophetically in, in the Lord. And I'm not talking about prophesying, thus saith the Lord, but in prayer prophetically and just uh, bro Brother Joe Mowers here talking prophetically uh, about things and uh, one of the things God keeps saying is uh, about moving us higher and change and transitions and and uh, taking us to higher places in him and you know that's nothing new he always wants to he always will we're always going to be moving forward God's not ever going to say well now you know we've gone far enough you know, and any time any church group, whether it be Church of God, Assembly of God, Baptist, Methodist, any time they quit moving forward, well, they start dying. You know, and we know that. So we, it's important, even Word of Faith. In fact, many people talk, I don't know, we kind of follow Word of Faith churches in the sense of keeping up with what's going on. And a lot of people say Word of Faith is just kind of locked down right now, but not at Word of Life Church. Amen. And I know they're not talking about every church, but a lot of, you know, you got to keep going. Amen. Brother Hagen died, but we got to keep on going. He wasn't the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Hallelujah. He was just a voice. Amen. He was a voice, and he did a good job with his call, his part. But hallelujah, he's not the final answer. Jesus is the final answer, and Jesus didn't quit calling people and anointing people. And so we got to keep on going in the church, keep moving. And so God's always wanting us to move higher. And I don't know about you, but I'm always wanting to move higher. I'm not one of those people that don't like change. Let's just keep everything the same. Change is, just, if you don't change, you die. Amen. And so I want to move higher. I want to go to higher places within, within the context of, of God's will and excellence and all those things. And so I wanted to answer some questions tonight about how can we move higher? How can you move higher? And, you know, sometimes people say, uh, Miss Debbie, I need more faith. I want more faith. And all of us at times have felt like, I, I really need more faith. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we need to find out how we get that. How can we move higher in our faith? And so we're going to turn over to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Now, I'm not going to preach real long on this, on each one of these. I'm going to give you several. I'm not going to preach real long on each one, but just give you some clues. And Romans 10, 17 is a pretty familiar scripture to us. And it says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And this is the only place in the Bible where it says anything about uh, it being able to increase our faith. This is the only place. And we really don't increase our faith because faith is a gift that we receive when we're born again. We're given the, uh, uh, the God kind of faith when we're born again. And so we don't really increase it, but we actually just activate more of what we have. You know what I'm saying? And so if you look in that verse in, in where it says cometh, so then faith cometh, in my Bible at least, and I hope probably in yours, that word is in italics. That means it's not in the original Greek. And so that means the translators added that word for clarity to just make it easier to understand. But they probably added the wrong word. Probably. 
because faith really doesn't come by hearing and it really makes a difference how you look at this because if you think that faith cometh by hearing you will always be uh, uh, trying to get more and you'll be like I was when I was believing God to heal me I just felt like if I could get enough faith if I could get more faith and so I just listen 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 trying to get more faith and listen 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 because it seemed like the my faith just never met up it just never measured up it was just like I never had quite enough but then I realized that I'd been given the full measure of faith the God kind of faith the same faith that Jesus had at the new birth well I thought well you know that's got to be good enough if it was good enough for Jesus it's got to be good enough for me and so um if they were going to add a word, which they didn't probably didn't even need to, if they didn't add a word, it would be so then faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. Faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, and one way that could have been translated, so faith is activated. The faith that you were given at the new birth is activated by the word of God. In other words, if you don't ever hear the word on healing, you'll never activate the faith that you have concerning healing. Amen. You can walk around born again with the God kind of faith on the inside of you all your life, but you never activate it because you've never heard anybody preach on healing. And that's what it's actually saying in verse 15 right up above it. How shall they, um, let's see, no, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We need preachers to go and tell these things and declare these things. Why? Because then faith is activated or faith arises or faith awakens. Hallelujah. And so if you want more faith and you need more faith, you still, you need to hear the word. Uh, if you're believing for healing, you you know, some, uh, what, like one person said, uh, you know, somebody preached a sermon, you know, you need to get in the word. And, um, and so this person came up and he had been diagnosed with cancer and he was dying. He was literally dying of cancer. And so they began to talk to him about getting in the word and putting the word and activating their, his faith with the word of God. He said, oh, I'm in the word every day. I've been reading the book of Revelation. Well, you know, when you've got a need for healing, the book of Revelation is not the book to be reading right then. Because you know it doesn't really matter what's going to happen in the rapture, what's going to happen with the Antichrist, and what's going to happen uh, in the millennial reign, if you're going to die before all that happens. You know what I'm saying? So you've got to get right down uh, uh, to where you need to be, where faith needs to be activated for you. And you have to feed on the area that you need. If you've got relationships, hallelujah, you, you know, you gotta, you got to learn what the Bible says about relationships. And you know, your relationships are, how, what did, how did we say that a while ago? Let me say that. Your relationships will follow your loving. If you've got a relationship problem, guess what? You probably need to get some loving scriptures. Nothing cures relationship problems like love, does it? Nothing, nothing will fix relationships like love will. And so, you know, you go over and you meditate on 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, the love chapter. Amen. And you begin to believe God to walk in those things and to, 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 to practice those things. We're to be practicers of the Word of God. So um, <clears throat> that's how you're going to get faith, more faith. Miss Debbie, I need more faith in this area or I need more faith for finances. Well, you're going to have to feed on scriptures that talk about how God supplies all of your need. You're going to have to, to you're going to have to focus so that faith is energized, so faith is activated in the area you need. You say, "Well, Miss Debbie, I need all of those things." Well, and I know a lot of people do. They go, they come in and they can't figure out which one to come and get prayed for. Well, if you're dying, you need to focus on that one first. Amen. You know, if death is right at your doorstep, but if you know, if you're fairly healthy, maybe you need something, but you're fairly healthy, and you know, and the bank court is knocking on your door. Well, you, that's, you need to go straight for the one. And so you got to discern, you know, which is the, which is the, which is the most imminent right now. Amen. And you know, if maybe you would like to prosper more, but you got a kid that's going down the tube. Well, you need to get over in there and start focusing in that area and not let your kids perish, not let your kids uh, uh, go to hell because you was over there 
you know, try to focus on something else, like the book of Revelation or something. So that's how we, that's how we move up. And then turn over to Mark chapter 4. That's how we move up in our faith. And another way that, that we uh, can, can increase, we can uh, move higher in faith and, and uh, Mark 4, Mark 4, Mark 4. Okay, verse 23. It says, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. One version says, if any man have ears, let him be listening. See, we need to listen. And one of the things the Lord said to me is, we need better hearing. We need better hearing. If any man have ears to hear, one version says, actually, I looked this up in the Greek, in the Strong's. If any man have ears to hear, let him understand. Let him understand. Uh, and you know, so we have to, let me read all of that verse real quick. 23, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. And so if we're going to have uh, more faith, better faith, maybe I should say, or move higher in our faith, be able to accomplish more with our faith, we're going to have to hear Make sure we're hearing. You know, you can't come to church and allow yourself to be distracted. And you can't, you know, skip weeks and weeks or days and days of hearing. Hallelujah. You'll have gaps. A lot of Christians have gaps in their spiritual life. Because see, when God gets you born again, you get born again, God begins to lay a foundation in your life. And so if you, you know, and, and, and he, he, He's pouring concrete, if you can imagine it that way. And it's spiritual concrete. It's things He's going to build on later. And you know, you come, and then you don't come. Well, then here's a gap. And then you come pretty good, and then you don't come. And you know, some people, God can't ever start building on what He wants to do in their life because they never get their foundation complete because there's things you have to know before you can start building there's things you have to have in your spiritual foundation that before you can go anywhere amen there's things that you'll you'll have to have before you can resist the devil i think the devil knows what we don't know more than we know what we don't know you know what he watches closely not him but you know his his uh, helpers, if we can call it that, demons. Anyway, uh, and so let him understand. We need to make sure that we're understanding. If we read on down, we would find that when the word is sown, if we don't understand what's being preached or what's being taught, well, it gets stolen from us. Amen. And so it makes sure you have to make sure you understand. Some people don't ever bother to ask a question. God will be glad to answer your questions. There's people in this church that will answer your questions. We need to ask questions about the parts that we don't understand. Amen. Uh, 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 and then we need to take heed, it says there, what we hear. You know, sometimes our faith is just not high, going high because we're hearing some things we're not supposed to hear that's tearing it down. If you're hearing a lot of unbelief along with your faith, well, you know, you're, you are, you're, uh, you're tearing down as fast as you're building. And so those are things that help us to move higher in our faith. And then let's go to number two. Uh, some people, as far as moving higher, would say, I want to hear God better. And we just talked about a while ago, knowing Him. I have an unction from the Holy One. You say, how do I know I have an unction? Uh, because we, at the new birth, you were given uh, uh, that unction on the inside of me. I have an unction from the Holy One, and I know all things. You know in your spirit man, your spirit man is, is right on. You know, now the flesh isn't, and our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, we still got to renew our minds. But our spirit is right on. We know God. We, we, we have understanding in our spirits. We're real smart, like Pastor Buzzy says, in our spirit man. Amen? And we're supposed to be living out of our spirit and looking to our spirit. But we've been trained by this world, by our parents, by our grandparents, to live completely after the flesh instead of after the spirit. Now we're in church and we're being trained and to live after the spirit. Amen? 
And so we have to live, begin to practice and look to and live after our spirit. Not be led by what we see. Not be led by what we feel. Not be led by what we hear. Practice putting aside the works of the flesh. Uh, you know, that starts out with uh, letting the Holy Ghost convict us and repenting when we get in the flesh. And when you first start out wanting to practice being in the spirit, you do a lot of repenting. You know, folks, we, you, you got to get rid of the cuss words. Let's just put it out there. Amen. You know, we had somebody recently say a really bad cuss word to pastor. And he wasn't cussing him. He just said it in conversation. And, uh, and he said a really bad cuss word. And he was old enough in the Lord that he should not have been using that cuss word. And he, re he called and repented a few days later and said, well, you know, as a young man, I got that planted in me. But you know what, folks? It's time to dig it up. Hallelujah. And you know, one good way, I tell you, when you want to stop something, is start ha the Holy Ghost will start having you call people and tell them you're sorry. That stopped me right quick. I lied to a church member one time. And the Lord made me call her and tell her, I'm sorry, I lied to you. And boy, I never lied to another one. Now, I may backpedal and run out the back door and say, I can't tell you. I may, or, I may do all sorts of things, but I'm not going to ever lie to you. Because I don't like... Not pleasing the Lord. I don't like conviction, and I sure don't like calling you up and saying I lied. Hallelujah. And so, if you will take, start taking responsibility in those areas, you'll start growing up when you start taking responsibility for your flesh. You know, we've been listening to marriage. Husbands, you're not ever going to start doing right until you start taking responsibility for doing wrong. When you treat her wrong, you need to come to her and repent. And pretty soon you'll quit doing, treating her like that and, and talking to her ugly and snapping at her. Hallelujah. You'll quit because you won't like doing that. And so you'll get that flesh brought back under. Amen. When you blow up, you've got to take responsibility for it. When you blow up at the kids and don't, and you know, now I'm not talking about discipline in them because discipline can be done without blowing up and being in love, you know. Hallelujah. It can still be done firmly and with very much authority and, you know, speaking with your eyes and <laughs> bless God, you know. Uh, but, 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 but. But when you start, if you get into sin and start yelling and screaming and cussing when your kids do something, then you start repenting and start taking responsibility for the flesh. I don't know why I'm out here, but I am. You know, uh, before, uh, before Anita went in the hospital into labor, I guess we've watched too many baby coming shows on TLC, she just told Eric up front, listen, honey, if I get ugly and say anything, I'm just going to repent ahead of time. Hallelujah. But she did real good. She didn't say nothing uglier. <laughs> but Eric said last night, they hadn't had any sleep in two nights, I think. He said last night he could feel himself being just a little bit cranky. <laughs> I told Anita, I said, you know Eric's got to have his sleep. <laughs> he always has. Anyway, so I want to hear God better. Well, if you want to hear God better, you you know, you start living by the Spirit. That's not, that's one thing. you got to listen differently than you've ever listened to before. First of all, you got to want to know what God has to say. A lot of people just don't really want to know because once you know, guess what? You're accountable. And so they're really not wanting to know. They're just wanting God to, to just bless their plans instead of find out his plan that's already blessed. Amen. And he's not ever going to do that. God will not change his will for you. He will not. And he will not break the, the, the laws of the universe that he has put into motion. He will not change them for, for you or me or anybody else. Amen? So we got to want to know. And when we're trying to listen to God, one of the things, and I felt led to say this, I mean, it might not be the most important thing, but I'm, I, I think it's for somebody. Don't be so legalistic and inflexible in your hearing. You know... Um, I know some people, it's like, well, you know, that verse don't say that exactly, you know. Or, you know, you hear, the, the, uh, you, they're believing God to, to, to know the will of God. They've counseled with the pastor and they say, you know, I'm believing whether, to know whether to take this job. And the prophet of God comes in and he says something, you know, just, but it's not exact. And so they, they, they're so legalistic and so inflexible that the only way they're going to hear God is if God says, 
well, I'll just use Ray. Ray, go to, and he's not one of those. He's not the man. But anyway, go to here and do this. God's not ever going to say that to you that way. We're going to have to be, um, we're first, we're going to have to listen the way God speaks instead of trying to make him speak the way we would like to hear it. And the way God speaks will be better in the long run. Because when you hear, start hearing voices like that, you'll question it anyway. And so God speaks in ways where there's no question that it's Him speaking. Um, so uh, like men a lot of times, and I'm not trying to stereotype men, but men sometimes are more analytical uh, than women are. And, and will think that way. Well, He didn't say it exactly. I've known people that would say like, well, you took that scripture out of context. Because a lot of times the way God's going to speak to you, and if you want to hear Him better, is He every time you pick up the Word of God, you're looking for Him to say something to you. And you know, what are you looking for? Just something in general? Just to say, well, you know, the, the universe is glorious. No, <laughs> you can find that and you know, that's true. But I'm listening for my life and for where I'm going and for the next step and what I'm supposed to do for the Lord. And I'm listening for anything that will help me walk in better health. I'm listening for clues and, and keys that he would give me for prosperity. But usually in any given day, I'm listening for something very specific. You know, if I'm uh, uh, really standing in the health area, then usually I'm listening for God when I read the Bible to say something to me that makes my faith just spark and go and just go there. You know what I'm saying? And so God is very poetic. He's, he speaks in allegories. He speaks in parables. And He speaks cryptically. And you know what? God takes verses out of context to speak truths to our heart and to confirm His leadings. Now, He doesn't take them out of context to change up doctrine and things like that. But, you know, God a lot of times speaks to you something that really and truly was meant for the Jews... I mean, you know, he's talking about Israel, but when he's wanting to confirm something in your life, um, um, and he did this uh, with us. Like, for instance, I'll just give you an example. Uh, when we were farmers, and, uh, <clears throat> and we were in this major, obviously there was transition in the air, and... Uh, and so we had become spirit-filled and we'd begun attending a church with some people in, not in Seagraves where we lived, but in Seminole. And, uh, and, uh, and there was just transition all in the air. And so God gave us a scripture in the Old Testament. I don't even remember where it's at now. But it was about, and he wasn't in the ministry. He wasn't a pastor. He was a farmer. And, you know, my grandmother used to talk about him being called. But we said, no, God needs spirit-filled farmers. That's what we, that was what we always said. And, um, <laughs> and it's true. He needs spirit-filled farmers. But it just wasn't true about him. Hallelujah. And so he gave us this scripture. And it's talking about David. It's not talking about Michael. It's talking about David. And it says, I took him out from following after the sheep to be leader over my people Israel. Well, that's totally out of context, but God used that scripture in the Old Testament to tell us that he was going to take Michael out from following after the sheep to be a leader over the sheep. Amen? So in other words, he was calling him into the pastorate. And he did that several ways and several times through, he spoke very cryptically to us. One time we had this special meeting, some men called us up and prayed over us and one of them spoke over him and said, uh, the cloud as small as the man's hand is coming upon you. And, uh, uh, and we said, what in the world? You talk about, that's cryptic, isn't it? Now we know there's a cloud as small as a man's hand. And we went and read those scriptures about that. And it was like, that didn't mean anything. We asked the man that spoke it, what does that mean? He said, I don't know. But if you'll just let God be God, so uh, it wasn't but two or three months, maybe four months later, we went to camp meeting in Tulsa. And on Thursday afternoon, you know, they have a morning meeting, they have an afternoon meeting, they have an evening meeting. And by Thursday, we had started on Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Monday evening, Tuesday. And by Thursday afternoon, we was whooped. I can tell you, we was whooped. And we just thought, we'll just stay in the hotel room and sleep this afternoon, then go to the night meeting. And this is in July in Tulsa. And we're at the Holiday Inn at the top of the hill, the Civic Center Convention Center is all the way down a hill. That's not bad, but in the afternoon, about 4 o'clock, when that long-winded preacher gets through, you got to walk all the way back up that hill to the Holiday Inn. 
Hallelujah. Because we weren't, we were in the low rent district. We weren't staying in the hotel that was right across the street from the convention center in Tulsa. And, uh, and you know, there's 20,000 people because that was in the heyday of when, of camp meeting, you know. So it's just, it's just something else. But just we, so we had our clothes off. We're laying on the bed, just getting cool. And Tulsa is so hot. It's every bit as hot as Alabama. And, uh, and, uh, uh, all of a sudden, we just said, we just got to go. So we just got up and threw our clothes on and ran down the hill. And John Osteen is preaching. Pastor John Osteen, Joel's daddy. You know, all everybody in town, all the Baptists, all, all of them, the Methodists, they're all just worshiping Joel. I always tell them, boy, if you like Joel, you should have known John. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, and I'm giving them John books because Joel won't tell them what John will. Hallelujah. John went on to be with the Lord, Brother John Osteen. But anyway, and so right in the middle of his sermon, he stops. And he said, oh, by the way, cloud smallest man hands fivefold ministry. Well, hallelujah. Now, the cryptic just got clear. In other words, God, I'm calling, Michael, I'm calling you into the fivefold ministry. That was July. We went home and put our house up for sale. Anyway, I won't go into that long story. But by the end of October, he's pastor of the church we're going to which was a loose church because it didn't have a building, didn't own any equipment, <laughs> and the name, and wasn't incorporated. And so it was just, I don't know, it was a group of people meeting together on Sunday and Wednesday. So it was kind of, it was a church. But anyway, but by, you know, so God was doing something. So you have to be able to, you have to let God speak like God speaks. And you have to listen that way and train yourself to listen that way because he's not going to say, Jonathan. You are called to do this. You will do it in 19, no, not 19, two, no, that, no, we're going to not go backwards in time. You will do that in 2010. You will do that in this city. You know, he's not going to speak like that. He starts speaking very uh, subtly and cryptically, but if you're listening with your spirit, it's so clear as a bell. It, it's like, why can't everybody else see this? Because I see it so clear, you know? Um, so we, when we uh, read, we need to expect to see a verse. When we come to church, we need to expect to hear. You know, if you're really expecting to hear, guess what you're going to have? A pen and a paper. Because you can't keep these things. You can't hold them. I cannot tell you how many times I thought I'll remember that verse, and I didn't. And I, then I spent an hour scrambling, trying to think, what was that verse and what was that word? I have actually spent 10 years looking for verses before. Yeah. Literally, one verse, I spent 10 years looking for that verse. And I was begging God, show me where that verse was. And he finally showed it to me. And God will go to great lengths. You know how he showed me that verse? I got a newsletter from Aquila Wilkin. Does anybody ever heard of Aquila Wilkin? Babe, back in charismatic days, I do not know how we got her newsletter. We only got it one time. And on the front of her newsletter was that verse. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, what you need to know and what, and what you seek God for, He'll give you. You know, the Bible says that he that asks receives and he that seeks finds. No, the, and he that knocks the door is opened unto them. Why aren't you asking Him? Why aren't you seeking Him? Why aren't you knocking? Bless God, knock. See, we just don't have what we're supposed to have because we don't, aren't really seekers. You know, hallelujah. So uh, then uh, I wanted to say this about listening. Be listening all the time. In Proverbs chapter 1, go over there. Now some people, you know, they kind of turn an ear on when they come to church about halfway. And then they leave and turn it off till Wednesday night or the next Sunday or whatever. But you need to be listening all the time. You need to listen in the morning when you wake up. And you know, things are, are they're, they're not, they're, it's not booming voices. I know I heard a voice uh, a few, a couple of weeks ago. It's just something real. You nearly will think it's yourself until you train yourself to start listening. You need to pay attention to your thoughts. Now, some thoughts you've got to cast down. So you need to pay attention and know and cast them down. Because you know, the devil can get a, if you let thoughts just keep going that aren't godly, they'll get a stronghold in your life. So we need to pay attention to what we're thinking, you know, and not let it get from uh, a little thought of temptation, a little, you know, flash of skin in our mind to all the way to adultery before we <laughs> cast it down and arrest it, you know. You, got, you start casting down the first time something, some little thought about the opposite sex comes. You cast it down, rebuke it, command you, get away from me. I, 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 that's how I live. 
Boy, if I have a thought that I think is not God, and we need to live that way about thoughts of unbelief too, not just sin. And thoughts of fear, we ought to attack them. See, I let fear get such a stronghold in me because the first time I had a fear thought, I didn't know what to do, and I just started praying in tongues, and that ain't what to do. And you know what? Before it was over, I was having, I had full-blown anxiety attacks. It was, it was bad. I can just tell you, it was bad. Could just all I could do to go to the grocery store. And praise God, God set me free. But I didn't have to go through several years of just climbing my way out of it and believing God out of it if I'd known to cast that down, rebuke it, refuse it right then in Jesus' name, not ever let it get uh, to be a part of me. Amen. <coughs> so uh, <coughs> that's how we have to do it. Now, sometimes a fear of thought will still try to come to me. But boy, I attack it with both feet and hands and, you know... We can't be nice to the devil. Proverbs 1 verse 20, speaking of hearing God, listening all the time. Wisdom crieth without, she heardeth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief places of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying. I listen all the time. Now, I'm not advocating that we... You can't feed on movies all the time and have a strong spiritual life. But on the other hand, you can't. It is, we're not forbidden to ever watch a movie. And if I'm gonna watch one, I'm gonna listen for God in it, see if He says anything. And He spoke to me with that movie. You've got mail. Every time I watch it, I so I watch it a lot. Not not every week, but you know, two or a couple of times a year, I watch. You've got mail because He spoke to me out of it. That black guy in there, when he tells Tom Hanks, I'll just tell you what it was. We were believing God in a specific situation in the church. And that black guy says, well, I just keep taking the relationship to the next level until it gets where I... And I said, that's it right there. We just keep going higher until it won't work anymore. And I said, well, that was God right there. God spoke. You know, if he can't... Wisdom is crying out in the streets, folks. It's everywhere. So don't turn your hearer off and listen all day. And your children will speak wisdom to you. I've had mine speak wisdom to me. I know Colin was a little bitty boy, and I was having a big pity party one day. Well, God don't ever do nothing for me, and, and, and I don't ever, well, I think I actually said I don't ever get a word, you know? And Colin was so little, and he came over and hugged me and said, well, Mama, one thing you've got, you've got love. That's what he said. Hallelujah. Out of the mouths of babes. And I said, well, praise God, that's right. I've got love. Amen. So we need to listen. Uh, well, I talked about don't dismiss your thoughts. You know, after going back and thinking about that some more, once you really know the will of God, if you will look back, you'll realize your thoughts have been running in those patterns, even maybe when you weren't picking up on it uh, uh, for a while. Amen. God, see, God, the thoughts are coming. See, there's thoughts coming from the out, high, outside. But there's thoughts that are drifting up from your spirit to your head all the time. All the time. And you have to learn to recognize them. Um, <clears throat> you know, many times God confirms things in advance more than he confirms things afterwards. And you know, like for instance, you know, Jonathan's on his knees and he hears something specific from God. Well, he's like, okay, Lord, now I need a confirmation. Not anything wrong with that, and God will give him a confirmation. But probably one of the best confirmations that he's going to have is if he looks back at everything God's been saying even before that. Amen? And that's why even writing down prophecies and making sure you get the prophecies, because then you can not just pray them forward, but when you hear something, you can look back and say, is that already what God's been saying? You know what I'm, do you hear me? Are y'all picking up? God always just gives us pieces of the picture. Most of the time, he just gives us pieces. I read this today. Comprehension of the mysteries of the heavenly calling comes to men only as they are ready to receive them. So one thing for sure, we need to get ready to receive them. Amen. You want me to read that again? Comprehension of the mysteries of the heavenly calling comes to men only as they are ready to receive them. You know, God had to get us ready to receive move to Alabama. And he has to get you ready to receive, you know, what you, what you have too, what you have in your life to do. Uh, 
And another way, if you want to move up in hearing God, always get in an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. Because every chance you get, because you nearly always will get a flood of revelation. Especially if you're believing God for something and you need to hear something. You know, you're at a crossroads and you know, i got to hear something. If you will get in an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost, that would be church as a general rule. It, for the most part, now you can make this happen at your house, but you're not going to have gun smoke in one room while the kids are watching or, or playing video games and all that bing, 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 you know, and all that, all that video game noise, and you've got an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost going in your living room. That's just not going to happen, folks. You might get an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost at a prayer meeting, but the best way is to get an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost where there's been worship and hallelujah and uh, you're in there and then it don't matter what the preacher preaches on. He could preach on, you know, he could preach on the seven sons of Sceva and you'll be hearing about world-changing things that God's fixing to do in your life. Amen? That is exactly how it works. So always, every chance you get, get in the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost because you're going to hear God. And every time you know there's going to be an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost, expect to hear God. Amen? Uh, number three, you might say, about moving up, I want a better harvest on my seed. How many of you could say, I'd like to have a better harvest on my seed? That's all of us right there. Well, I want to tell you how to get a better harvest on your seed. And I'm not going to, this is not comprehensive, but this will get you started. This will keep you busy for one year, this right here. And then we'll talk about the next step, okay? Getting a better harvest on your seed is check your ground. Over in Mark chapter 4, verse 8. Mark chapter 4, verse 8. Check your ground. Work on your ground. If you get your ground better, I'm talking about your heart. I'm not talking about your spirit now. I'm talking about your soul. Hallelujah. Because you know your spirit's perfect. We talked about that. But your soul, your mind needs to be renewed. Your will needs to be worked on because it ain't completely submitted. I can promise you there ain't nobody in here whose will is completely submitted. And your emotions, I know when I started out, I needed an overhaul emotionally. I'm not saying I still don't need some stuff emotionally. Don't ask pastor. Hallelujah. But, uh, but I tell you, I, 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 what is it they say? I haven't arrived, but I started. And I, hallelujah, I've left. I think that's what it is. I haven't arrived, but I've left. You know, huh? I'm not where I used to be, hallelujah, emotionally. But we have to, you know, our emotions have to get right. Amen. And so we got to check up. We'll get a better harvest if we get our heart, talking about our soul, that part of our heart, if we'll get our ground better. And in Mark chapter 4, it says, And other fell on good ground. Say, I'm good ground. If you're born again, I believe you at least have the potential to be good ground. And the more your mind's renewed, your ground is somewhat improved. Amen. But he says here, now I used to take this differently than I take it now, but now I take it completely this way. And did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. And I used to think, well, this is just random. You know, depending on how much you confess and how much, you, how much you're really believing, well, you know, this seed might produce 30, and this seed might produce 60, and this one over here might produce 100. But I don't believe that anymore. I believe we're either 30-fold ground, or we're 60-fold ground, or we're 100-fold ground, and anything in between. We could just be 10-fold ground. And when you think about 10-fold, that's just pretty good. But, it, we, but it, I'm not satisfied with that. Are you? And I need, I need to get my ground better because you're having the harvest that you're having all because of your ground. Not because of the seed of the Word of God. It's incorruptible. It's perfect. And so you're reading the Word. You're confessing the Word. You're hearing the Word preached. And I mean you're in the Word. And it's like, why is this not producing more? Because I'm confessing the Word. Well, you're ground. And you know, uh, the seed is helping your ground, your mind's getting renewed, but you need to do some other things about your ground. And we talked about dealing with the flesh and rooting out the weeds and getting rid of the cares of this world. And you're getting, you're going to have to get rid of worry and you're going to have to get rid of unforgiveness and you're going to have to, you, all of these things. And you're going to have to get consistent. And you're going to have to deal with your flesh and make your flesh start submitting. You're going to have to get where you're on time all the time. You're, hallelujah, where, praise God, where you don't, you know, 
I know we have one friend, and he will just be fasting and praying for six weeks. And like we can't even get him on the telephone. He's in with God. He's fasting and praying. And then he'll call us up and he'll say, well, I came off that fast and I hadn't even prayed in two weeks. And I'm like, well, what is that? Grow up and start, you know, and start being consistent. And you know, we got lots of people in the body of Christ. Oh, they're just high. Man, they're on a spiritual high. And now we, they're down here in some pit of hell emotionally. All of that's got to go. You want your seed to produce more? Hallelujah. You got to get the, you got to get where you're just like this. And you're just a rock. Well, am I there? No, but I left. Hallelujah. I left in 1980. I'm a lot better than I used to be. You just ask pastor. I don't slam cabinet doors anymore. I left, you know, hallelujah. And a lot of stuff we don't do anymore. And all them cuss words we was talking about, you're going to dig them up one by one. All of them. Amen. And all that unbelief you talk, you're going to dig it up one by one. And all that moaning and groaning and complaining we do, we're going to quit, we're going to dig it up. And all the rolling of the eyes and all, we could just go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And all the strife in our marriage, we're going to get rid of it. And all the strife in our home. Amen. See, I told you to keep you busy for a year. Probably longer, but, you know, I'm not even going to tell you anything else for one year. Uh, so if you become better ground, your harvest will improve. Amen. We're going to go a little longer. The youth need some time. The glory's back there. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we're going to cover this last one. Number four. Miss Debbie, I want to sow more seed. I know I want to sow more seed. And I believe everybody in here says, I'd like to finance the kingdom. I know we get letters from people. I don't know if y'all get letters. And I go, oh, I love those people. And I believe in their work. And oh, I want to, I want to give. I want to give. I get a letter from Rick Renner, and I just love what he does in Russia. And I, oh, I God, I want to give to that. That new building and that new, oh, my word, in Russia. Oh, that's just precious. I get a letter from the Fethkiners in Thailand, and I go, oh, I'm, oh, man, they're doing a work in Thailand. And boy, if you ever, and every time Pastor Avery goes to Russia, I'm like, oh, I want seed. And most of the time, this church, as a corporate body, we put seed in Brother Avery to go to Russia. Most of the time. We've missed a few, but uh, not many. And, but I want to sow, because he, he works with ministers. And I'm always even more impressed with somebody that goes and works with ministers, because I know they'll affect more people, you know, that way than they will another way. And so I know I want to sow more seed. And everything we have around here, I know if you're like me, it's like, well, I'd like to just say, Pastor, I got that, and just write out the check. Amen? And we could just, so I, I know you, you feel this way. So we're going back over Philippians chapter 3, and we talked a little bit about this in the surplus Sunday morning. But I certainly didn't have time to cover what God had given me about it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. This won't take long. Brethren, I count not myself as to have apprehended. In other words, I don't think I've arrived. Amen? But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So we talked about Sunday, and we'll talk about it a little more, that if you are going to sow more seed, you're going to have to forget those things that lie behind. you got to forget the tough times, the scary times, and the slim times. I already talked about this. But we've all had those slim times. We've all had times when there wasn't enough. And, uh, or there was just enough. Um, or, or we've had times when, when there was um, creditors calling. And we got to forget those things. You know, if it was yesterday, let me tell you, forget it. Amen? Hallelujah. And then we reach forth. And reaching forth means to stretch. If we're going to sow more seed, we have to stretch. We have to stretch beyond what's comfortable. We have to stretch beyond what we're used to. Because I'm trusting that you're like me and want to, and see, back, way back, way back, way back, before we ever got to Tuscaloosa, when we were in Seminole, me and Pastor wanted to sow more seed. 
And we believed, we'd heard the stories of J.C. Penney, how he gave 90% of his income. Well, I want to be there. And we heard about Buddy Harrison. Now, he's one more contemporary to us. He just went home to be with the Lord. And he's actually the founder and owner of Harrison House. And he gave away, um, what, I think they said 90% of his income. He would give it. But, and Pastor Buzzy told us that, now see, Buddy Harrison married Brother Hagin's daughter, Pat. And so but Pastor Buzzy, and he has the inside track, told us that Buddy left Pat rich, 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 rich. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what he said. Okay. So, Amen Pastor said, we, got, we want to do this. Well, we ain't even paying the bills good. In Seminole, we weren't even paying the bills good. I'm telling you. And... You know, small church and believe in God and, and uh, oil crunch. We went through that in Seminole when the oil field, the bottom fell out of the oil field. And what was, it was like, what was it, a gallon? I mean, a barrel? It was 18, I don't know, it might have been lower than that at one time. Was it $18 a barrel? Yeah, so it was low. It was low. The oil field folded up. Farming's depressed. You know, and it's like, boy, everything was against us. You know, in uh, in Odessa, you'd see bumper stickers, and it would say, and Odessa's the, where the oil is more produced, and the people that were actually working the oil field live there, and the people that work in the high-rise and control it all live in Midland, and they're twin cities. They're right there together. And you'd see bumper stickers, and it says, Lord, you send us another boom, and we promise not to mess it up this time. Only they didn't use that exact phraseology. But anyway, they promise not to mess it up this time. I wonder what they're doing now. It's a hundred and something dollars a barrel, isn't it? Hallelujah. And I'm an oil baroness. <laughs> Hallelujah. Money coming. Amen. And um, anyway, um, so... You got to forget those things that lie behind, and you got to stretch. You got to stretch, and so the Lord gave us a strategy. Say strategy. strategy, and this is the strategy that He gave us. And we talk about it all the time, but you know, it just occurred to me and the Holy Ghost that we never just shared the whys. Okay, and then it says there that you have to press in verse fourteen. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. So I have to press. I have to stretch, I have to press. Towards the prize, the, the, well, let me read that, towards the mark. And mark means goal, goal. And so I have this goal that I want to give, I want to be able to fund the kingdom, I want to give, I want to be a giver. And God always sets before us, He always sets a goal before us. And so I'm going to give you a goal tonight you may never thought of, but this is where Pastor and I first started out. And we were not anywhere near there. We were tithers, and that's about, you know, and we were giving some, but we were tithers. And we were proud to be tithers, I can tell you. And, uh, but the goal is this. Your goal, and everybody can take this as a goal, is I want my offerings to be bigger than my tithe. So if your tithe is 10%, what your goal is, your immediate goal can be, if you want it to be, to be, I want to give 11%. And that means that at the end of the year, you would have given 21% of your income. And that is knocking it down in America. I'm telling you, that is knocking it down. And you know, that's just a goal. You're not going to get there overnight. But you're going to have to stretch and you're going to press. And the Lord gave us a strategy. And turn over to Isaiah 28. Now I'm going to give you this. And this is... You know what? This is I could go on TV and say I got the keys and I ha and I would have them. And there are ministers on TV. Listen, I don't know if you know but this is such a privilege that God says I'm going to give you this right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We're not going to give you this off of TBN. I'm going to give it to you right here in this town. Isaiah 28:10. Hallelujah, it is. And one thing we've always believed for is we have the best. That, that they're not getting it better in Tulsa and Atlanta and Dallas than we're getting it here. Verse 10, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And this is out of context. We know this is talking about how you get doctrine actually into children. 
It's, that's actually what it's talking about. But God taking this scripture out of context because it's a true principle in every area of life is the way you begin to 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 become a giver and become a sower and get out beyond where you ever dreamed you could go is here a little and there a little. And that's what God gave us to do. He said, you know, you quit worrying about, oh, I want to give millions. You quit thinking about that because you focus on that and you won't get there. But if you get on the here a little and there a little principle, you will be so amazed at what God can do through you and what He will flow through you and how you will increase. Because Pastor and I have, have increased so much. If you knew, if you knew, I cannot, I mean, I just cannot even tell you. And I'm not, I haven't arrived, but I left. Amen. But if I could tell you what he wore the first time he preached, you would go, oh my God, that's pitiful. If I could tell, I could remember the dress, and I'm like, I cannot believe that I would even wear that. And, but I left, and God prospered us. And he, he didn't just help us to have more money. He helped us to, to know more, you know, and to just understand more. I mean, it's just so phenomenal what he's done. And then the other key that he gave us is, and, and this is, you know, we're always talking about sowing every offering, but we never told you how what God put in our heart about this for us. This is for us. And let me tell you something. This is not a law to you, but it is a strategy. And it'll work for anybody. It's not a law. You don't have to do it. It's not a law. Amen. It's a strategy. And he didn't give it to us as a law. He gave it to us as a strategy because we were seeking him for a strategy. Exodus 23. And I know some of you think, well, that's just not in the Bible. Well, no, not specifically. But, uh, but the principle is here. Exodus 23.10. 15, excuse me, 23, 15. He says, Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded thee in the time appointed of the month of Abib. For in it thou camest out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. And that's the principle that God gave us right there. Is we don't come into His presence empty-handed. And you could apply that in a lot of ways, not coming empty. We ought to come to church with something to give. The New Testament even says that when you come, one will have a psalm, one will have a hymn, one will have a revelation. You know, we're not to come empty. We, we got stuff on the inside of us, amen? But you don't appear before Him, and that's what, where we based our life. And you know, all these years we've been saying, giving every offering, giving every offering, just encouraging you to, to sow a seed so that you could be blessed. But you know, what is the principle behind it? Well, this was the principle. And many of you have followed that, but you need to know why. I want you to know why instead of just, amen. He said, I, I, you don't appear before me empty. And notice right before it said that, it said, talked about coming out of Egypt. And we were in Egypt financially. And the Lord said, you want to come out of Egypt? Then start here a little, there a little, take every opportunity. And that's what we have done ever since. We've been doing this. We didn't start doing this in Tuscaloosa. We started doing this in Seminole. And there was times that it was small, but we always stretch too. We don't ever get settled and get satisfied with small. If you just stay on the same old thing every year, you're not stretching. And you know, we ought to have an increase. It might not be a lot, but we ought to have increase continually in our lives. And we stretch just a little. You know, and because that's what he tells us to do, and not to appear before him empty. Um, not to appear before God without a seed is how we took it. And like I said, not a law, but a strategy. So if you don't want to do it, it don't matter. You know, God ain't going to smite you. But you got to, what's your wisdom for increasing? What's the wisdom you have for moving higher financially? If that's not it, you come bring something that is. Okay? And then, uh, then Deuteronomy 16, 16, look at it there. It says something similar. We're winding up, we're winding up. You know, it was neat. Oh, I don't have time to tell that, so I just won't. Deuteronomy 16, 16, we'll do that in another service. 
three times in a year, are you in 16, Deuteronomy 16, 16, three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of unleavened bread, in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. And verse 17, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he hath given thee. And so we are to give. He's talking about giving and we are, and this is the principle that we've lived by. And then the third thing, if you want to increase and sow more seed is this. You've got to understand sowing and reaping. This is real brief. You've got to understand sowing and reaping. A lot of people think it is reaping and sowing. God, if you'll prosper me, I'm going to sow real big seeds. That's reaping and sowing, and that is not in the Word of God. You always have to sow, and then you reap. You can look it up in the Bible, but see, soweth and reap, not sowing, but soweth. Soweth and reap six times in the Bible, five times in the New Testament. Sow and reap ten times in the Bible. It's never reaping and sowing. It's always sowing and reaping. And a lot of people just have their words mixed up and they're, reaping, they're, they're thinking, I'll reap and then I'll sow. But that's not how it works. So start, start, start working the principles of God in all of these areas and we'll all move up higher into a higher place together. Amen? Well, let's stand up together. Wow. Hallelujah. I got everything that was on my heart out. Thank you, Jesus.